We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye hitting the solo recap of the Nets. Went over the Clippers 193. Another tough-fought game from the Nets. You know, just high energy, high effort. Guys out. You know, Cam Johnson out. Nick Claxton, Ben Simmons. Cam Thomas left this game in the third quarter. And guys just stepped up off the bench. You know, when they just all play hard and play with a level of energy. And there's also just a nice chemistry to this team for a group that hasn't been together for a long time. And we're going to jump with that in plenty more. Make sure you check the Buzz on all streaming platforms. But, you know, the way this game started for the Nets, it didn't look good. You know, 13 points in that first quarter. Felt like the Clippers were really just disrupting and causing kind of chaos on all the Nets' offensive possessions. But second quarter, they start to kind of find their flow in the rest of the game offensively. They're okay. And defensively, they had some really nice, you know, stretches of just clamping up the Clippers, forcing them into shots that the Nets preferred. You know, in the second half of this game, the Clippers only had 44 points. It's 22 in the third, 22 in the fourth. And that's that's just good defense. And obviously, some of it is a little bit of luck. You know, the Clippers in this game shot 8 of 36 from 3. But again, you know, some of that's just guys missing threes or shooting contested threes at the end of a shot clock. Or you're just giving Russell Westbrook, you know, five threes. He's 1 of 5 in the game. That's something you're okay with. Terrence Mann, 0 of 2. You know, P.J. Tucker, 0 of 1. You know, Kawhi and P.G. going a combined 3 of 16. You know, maybe that's a little bit out of your control. But at the same time, you know, there was opportunities for them to probably get better shots than they didn't. So, credit the Nets for finding a way to just kind of force the Clippers to get stagnant offensively and not produce, especially a team that just traded for James Harden, has Paul George, has Kawhi Leonard. You know, there's some offensive pop of this team and the Nets, you know, didn't allow them to go off. And offensively, the Nets found ways to get it done. You know, sometimes that was, you know, a hustle play, getting a loose ball, forcing a turnover, grabbing an offensive board, just kind of finishing and fighting through the plays. You know, they didn't necessarily get a ton of amazing calls, but as the game kind of progressed, they got to the free throw, free throw line a little bit more. And, you know, the bench was just great in this game. You know, you got 21 points from Lonnie Walker, 11 from Daron Sharp, you know, nine from Trenton Watford, even four from Dennis Smith Jr. Like those guys... 
impact of this game? You know, obviously we're going to discuss each guy individually, but overall, you know, the bench was a huge factor, especially when you look over to the Clipper side, three points for PJ Tucker, three points for uh, four points for bonus Highland, Terrence Mann, zero points, Norman Powell, 10 points. Like the Nets, you know, Lonnie Walker outproduced their bench on his own. And that's pretty significant, especially considering who was out for the Nets and the struggles of some of the Nets starters in this game where they really just weren't effective. You know, Dinwiddie, seven points, 14 for Cam Thomas. Obviously, he did leave the game. 12 points for Dorian Finney-Smith, 12 points for Royce O'Neal, and only 10 points for Mikel Bridges, who was 4 of 11 in this game, 1 of 4 from 3, 1 of 2 from the free throw line. Did have eight rebounds, and you love the seven assists, two steals, two blocks, three turnovers as well. And, you know, you could see how Kawhi, you know, P.J. Tucker, some of these physical defenders were able to kind of push Mikel off his spots. Even James Harden at times was giving him a little bit of an issue and obviously some of that was him getting away with foul calls but you'd love to see Mikel understand you know where he can excel you know there was a play where he got downhill and was able to get the step on Kawhi you know I think using his speed and length and long strides against some of these physical defenders you know when a guy tries to make a bump if you can have them miss that bump and utilize your stride now you have an easy attempt in front of you or you just gain some type of advantage so I think him getting a better understanding of how teams are going to target him with physicality you know that's just going to happen he's a he's a thin guy he's slim he's not necessarily going to get much bigger I think this is a weight he feels kind of comfortable playing at and obviously you see how it can help him defensively in the game you know where he's able to recover very easily you know he had a very nice block on James Harden did some things that had Kawhi disrupted got in the passing lanes you know this was a good defensive game for Mikel and a bad offensive game and you know at least he did cover some of that up though with the seven assists you know that's probably one of his highest numbers with this Nets team. So credit him for finding a way to impact winning. Just like to see him, you know, find a way to get his offensively. And I think he's that good of a player that he can do that. And I think also some of it's just being more aggressive and understanding the ins and outs of scoring and dealing with the, the way defenses are going to play you. But over to Royce O'Neal, you know, 12 points in this game, four of 10 from the field, four of eight from three. 10 rebounds, three offensive, two assists, three blocks. You know, let's talk about Royce's just hands and timing. You know, I think he's just one of the best, I don't know if I'd call shot blockers, but this kind of swipe, you know, block the ball before it gets in the air type of shot blocker. Royce is great at that. You know, we just saw him get Zubak, you know, disrupt what Westbrook was doing and just does a great job of timing it and using his physicality to understand, you know, defenders are going to try to bounce off of him in certain situations or they're going to almost try to Euro step and he plays it really really well but other than that I thought you know Royce's just overall defense in this game he was grinding out there he was moving a ton you know chasing all different players from you know Kawhi Leonard Russell Westbrook dealt with PG at different times and overall you know just a positive impact on the end of the floor and offensively you know did his thing I think you know being a secondary or third ball handler, just a capable ball handler and passer in this game is helpful, especially when, you know, the likes of Mikel Bridges and other offensive players are getting suffocated by Kawhi Leonard and some of the defenders on the Clippers. So having multiple players that can handle and pass the ball and even drive the ball, you know, Royce doesn't get all the way to the rim, but he's able to just kind of penetrate at times, drive and kick, do what you need him to do offensively. So I thought this was a really solid game from Royce on both ends of the floor over to Dorian Finney-Smith, another guy who just makes a ton of hustle plays, you know, just extra effort, not necessarily like the dirty work, but just 
puts the extra step in to do the complete thing. You know, he doesn't kind of ever half-ass it. He's always looking to complete the job and finish the night with 12 points, 4 of 11 from the field, 4 of 8 from 3, 9 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 blocks. And, you know, this is a guy that never really complains. And the Nets ask him to defend, you know, Zubak, Kawhi Leonard, get out there, defend whoever, you know, we need you to. And he's going to do a good job at it. And he's going to put a lot of effort in. And, you know, I think offensively he's looking more and more comfortable. And we're at a point now where it just feels like the threes are going to go down for Dorian Finney-Smith. Over to Cam Thomas, as I mentioned, you know, did leave this game, stepped on P.J. Tucker's foot. It looked like he sprained his ankle. They reported that, you know, mid-game, and I think post-game they talked about him giving an MRI tomorrow. Obviously, this is pretty significant. Cam Thomas has been the Nets' best player this season and a scoring machine, and really they're, they're offensive cog. You know, he's really kind of driven the offense at times on his own. Still in this game, finished with 14 points, 6 of 14, 0 of 2 from 3, 2 of 2 from the free throw line, 2 rebounds, 1 block, 2 turnovers. And at first, you know, he was a little disrupted by what the Clippers were doing defensively, but then found his rhythm. And you also saw him kind of attacked in that mid-range a little bit. And I felt like that maybe that was an area, you know, the Clippers were giving up. You know, they were kind of pushing him off that three-point line a touch and really collapsing on his drives. And Cam, I think, was starting to pick up on the defensive coverages and probably was going to finish this game with, you know, 25, 30 points. It just kind of had that vibe. He started to find his rhythm and it felt like there was going to be big moments for him down the stretch. You know, it's terrible to see a player having so such a great start go down with just a bad luck injury. You know, it's stepping on someone's foot on a drive. You know, obviously PJ Tucker called for foul on that play and you hope that it's, it looks worse, you know, than it actually is. And obviously it didn't help that Cam was really struggling to get off the court. You know, sometimes with those ankle sprains, they can hurt really, really bad initially, but then the next day it kind of calmed down, calms down a little bit. And, you know, it obviously can go in the other direction as well. So we are going to wait and find out. And I would assume in the next 48 hours, we'll kind of have a better idea of what's going on with Cam Thomas. And, you know, with him out, maybe other guys are going to step up. You know, Lonnie Walker was the guy that stepped up tonight and even guys in the starting lineup. You know, I think if Cam Thomas is out, you look at Spencer Dinwiddie and you say, you need to play better. We're going to need more production from you. Only seven points tonight, two of eight from the field, two of seven from three. Did have one big three down the stretch. So that was pretty much the dagger in this one. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
This summer, dive into the many cools of San Antonio. Because as soon as the temperature rises, so does the fun, the flavors, the excitement, and the many cool things that make our city the perfect summer getaway destination. Come keep cool with amazing pools at the best hotels, refreshing adventures both indoor and outdoor, inspiring history and culture, culinary wonders, and the hottest nights of your life at the coolest spots in Texas. To plan the coolest summer vacation, dive in to visitsanantonio.com slash summer. And talking about Spencer Dumini as a guy that could step up with Cam Thomas potentially being out, it's kind of ironic. You know, going to the season, you'd say maybe the opposite. You know, Spencer's out. They need Cam Thomas to step up. No, you know, Cam Thomas potentially being out. They need Spencer Dumini to step up. And, you know, he hasn't necessarily been terrible to start the year. I think him trying to find a way to adjust to the role has been something. And, you know, the on-off numbers and the lineup numbers for him have been really good. But I think the eye test has kind of showed him being a little too passive. You know, passed up at driving lanes in this game, settled for threes, two of seven from deep. And it was frustrating at points in the game. Obviously, that clutch three at the end was pretty significant to the Nets win. But he can be better. And I think the Nets can get more out of him with Ben back, with Cam back overall. I think he needs to kind of pick his moments to be more aggressive and just get downhill and attack and get to that free throw line. I think he'll start to see the opportunities open up a little bit more you know, as he kind of progresses in this role. But getting to the bench units, we talked about Lonnie Walker with a huge game, 21 points. 8 of 16 from the field, 3 of 7 from deep, 2 of 2 from the free throw line, 1 rebound, 1 steal, 1 block, 0 turnovers, plus 10, led the team in plus minus, and overall just was an offensive spark, you know, just hit tough shots, got downhill. And I think this is a guy that you see, and we've talked about on previous shows, is he can get one step on his drive and it's almost a guaranteed bucket. He does a great job of getting that step, taking that stride and exploding up. And he just has a quick jump off the ground and gets up there where he either is putting himself in a position to go above the defender or he's able to kind of get so high that he can contort his body coming down and hit the layup that way and, you know, finish through contact at different points in this game too. It's just really good stuff you know and I think the three-point shot being consistent and we talked about in the offseason that was an area he improved with the Lakers there was probably another step for him to take and so far this season he's taken it and I think defensively you know Lonnie Walker has been better than advertised you know and that's another thing we talked about in the offseason is you know he had stretches with the Lakers where he was good defensively and then later on he kind of lost some of that positivity and faded back to being you know a lesser to below average defender and this year he seems to be playing with good energy and effort on that end of the floor obviously he's not a lockdown guy but you ask you know guys to play with high energy, play with effort, and be part of the system. And that allows you to be good defensively and at least you know have a chance on every defensive possession. Another guy who I thought has probably been better defensively than expected was Trenton Watford, who did see 19 minutes in this game, finished with 9 points, 3 of 6 from the field, 1 of 2 from 3, 2 of 2 from the free throw line, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 steals, did have 4 turnovers. You know, a couple plays probably out of control, trying to do a little bit too much. But there's other plays where it just really sticks out with his talent. You know, he isolated P.J. Tucker, drove to the rim, finished over him, had obviously the dunk that was called back in an offensive foul over P.J. Tucker. You know, we had the dribble handoff fake that he ended up getting to the rim and getting an easy layup. It just a lot to his game, a lot of skill, a lot of ability, a lot of ball handling. And as I mentioned, defensively active using his length. You know, I think he stole an entry pass that was for Kawhi Leonard and just was making hustle plays, poking at the ball. You know, again, as I mentioned, a couple passes where he just needed to probably calm down when he got those turnovers. But at the end of the day, you love the energy and effort and a guy stepping him off the bench and hopefully earning a bigger role moving forward with this team. And 
you know, with guys being out, there's going to be a shot for himself to prove it to Jacques Vaughn, and we'll see how it kind of moves forward with the rest of the season. But getting to the other big playing for the Nets tonight, Dayron Sharp, 11 points, 4 of 9 from the field, 3 of 3 from the free throw line, 10 rebounds, 4 offensive, 2 steals, 2 turnovers, plus 7 in this one. And again, I, a lot of times when I watch Dayron, it's a mixed bag because he did have important buckets in this game, important offensive rebounds, but he also just made some terrible decisions and just had some bad plays and also like the two plays that stick out in such a close game were the two goaltends you know on two layups that might not go down Dayron is just not disciplined and it just really was obvious goaltends it wasn't like a situation where it was really close and he was trying to high point the ball you know one of them was off the backboard and one of them was still on the rim you know that's just not a mistake that you can make at the NBA level. And I think defensively, you know, he jumps too soon sometimes, gets himself out of position. Offensively, there's still more for him to learn in terms of like spacing and moving to the open areas to be kind of open for the offensive player and not just be kind of in the way and kind of helping clog the paint. So Dayron still has a long ways to go, in my opinion. And I think some of the areas he, you know, succeeds in definitely stick out in a highlight type way. But some of the defensive and the mistakes stick out in less of a, you know, eye-popping way. So I'm not sure everyone always picks up on it. But again, you know, there was positives to his game tonight, but there's also negatives to his game. And I think that's why a lot of us want to see Harry Giles or also, you know, Trenton Watford steal some of those minutes when Nick Claxton is back. And, you know, I think if the Nets are going to play some combination of a bigger forward in a semi-center, that might work. Or even if it's two bigger forwards, you know, if you're playing Dorian Finney-Smith and a Cam Johnson with, you know, a Nick Claxton or a Trenton Watford, like you still feel pretty big because of the length the Nets have on the floor, especially if, you know, you're sliding Mikel to the two spot or you're playing him with like a Spencer Dinwiddie. There's still a lot of length and wingspan. So it's not always just about having that size out there with Dayron. I think there's other ways to kind of combat that. But over to another bench guy, Dennis Smith Jr., and again, you know, Dennis Smith had some of those highlight defensive plays and definitely was able to disrupt uh, what the Clippers were doing a little bit, specifically James Harden. But at the end of the day, offensively, he's a net negative. He did have, you know, a couple good plays and had five assists in this one, but four points, two of seven for field, 0 of three from three, and some bad decisions mixed up, mixed in there as well. You know, obviously, end of shot clock threes, you're going to live with those teams, are going to give them up. He's going to have to take them and hit them at some point. But there was an early shot clock pull up mid range. And that's, you know, not a good shot for really anyone on this team other than Mikel Bridges and Cam Thomas. And even those two guys would probably tell you, unless it's wide open, it doesn't really make sense because of the ability that they've shown to get better shots than that. But Dennis Smith, you know, Vaughn seems to really like him and his energy and his effort and his defense. And he seems to be that guy that the coach is kind of committed to playing, even though at times it's definitely hampering the offense. I think in that fourth quarter was in there a couple minutes too long. And obviously Spencer hit that big three, but he's also just more of a threat from deep and is just able to handle the basketball, alleviate pressure off different guys that Dennis Smith Jr. kind of feels like a relief to the opposing team when they're on defense, you know, they're happy to see him take shots because the efficiency really isn't there. It's he's he's truly has to be out there with an, a lineup that has four good offensive players to cover up for his shortcomings. And the Nets at this time, you know, currently health wise, don't have that opportunity. You know, if you're putting him out there, a lineup that's you know Dennis Smith Jr., Cam Thomas, you know 
Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, and Dorian Finney-Smith, like that probably makes more sense. You know, that's a lineup that you could understand a little bit because it's well-spaced. He can kind of get downhill and you can kind of utilize him differently offensively. But when you're putting him out there with Dayron Sharp at times, and even Trenton Watford, who's not a volume three-point shooter, you're really kind of, you know, clogging things up on your own. And again, the Nets won this game, so I'm not complaining too much. But I think, again, it's important to note some of the things we learn from the minutes on the floor in the lineups that we see out there and how they can impact further down the line in different matchups. You know, the Nets are going to play the Boston Celtics again. They're going to take advantage of all these little lineup mistakes and disadvantages and strengths and weaknesses of every lineup the Nets put out there. This Clippers team, not locked in, especially in the regular season. And there was obviously a concern with this group already is not making those extra plays. You know, I think a play that sticks out is the Nets got a couple offensive rebounds late and then they missed another three and Mikel Bridges comes in, grabs the board and puts it back. And four, there was five Clippers, you know, just staring at the basketball. And I don't think any of them had a foot in the paint. And that just kind of shows some of the lack of energy and effort and dirty work for some of these teams. And that's where I think the Nets showcase the ability to steal games. You know, obviously Clippers, more talented team, especially considering the injuries on the Nets. But the Nets did enough, fought their way and made made it a tough game. And the the Clippers just really at times didn't want to deal with that. And that was enough for the Nets to get a W. So I think that's something we're going to see all season long. You know, this is a Nets team that's going to fight. They're going to play the right way. They're going to play with energy and effort. Every guy who goes on the court is going to have an idea of what the system is and how this team can be successful. And they're going to give themselves a shot. You know, there's going to be some nights where maybe they don't have the shooting and they're going to come up short or the other team's just going to be more talented a la, you know, the Celtics and, you know, the Mavs with Luka, you know, hitting that crazy three. That's going to happen. But there's going to be other nights where the Nets grind it out and make these teams work and then they get hot from three or they get hot in terms of scoring-wise with a Cam Thomas or Mikel Bridges. And now they're looking really comfortable. So I think the expectations... The evaluation of this Nets team is different than what it was a month ago. You know, this is a team, I think, looking at how they played in the first eight games, a realistic goal is to land a top six seed. And, you know, maybe that's fight for five or four. But I think number six should be the goal for this team playing is kind of a a lower level outcome given what we've seen so far considering they probably haven't even played their best basketball yet because it's such a new group and also you know some of the young guys just kind of finding the right rhythm and all that but happy where the nets are at you know excited to see how it plays out over the course of the next week obviously after the celtics the schedule starting to lighten up a bit and the nets could potentially rack up some some rack up a little winning streak so big thanks everybody for listening check the buzz on all streaming platforms